There's a story about a rabbi in a small community. He had lived there for many years. He had poured into this community. Uh, everyone trusted him. They respected him. He was making a significant impact in this community. He had been there long enough that people knew who he was and wanted to be around him. It wasn't long and a new resident comes and, and moves into this community. And, and this new resident hadn't been there long when he began to, to tell stories about this rabbi. He began to make up lies about the rabbi to the other residents in the community. Uh, people believed these statements. They started treating the rabbi differently. They didn't want anything to do with the rabbi. Uh, they were pulling away from him and, and they lost trust in him. After a while, this resident comes to the rabbi and says, look, I, I thought I was just going to pass through, but I, I now think I want to stay here and I want to live in this community and I regret what I've done. I, I apologize for the, the things that I've said and, and I just want you to, to know that I regret that and I apologize. Is there anything I can do to make it up to you? Is there any way that I can make things right? And the rabbi says, yeah, I, I need you to take your pillow and tonight, I want you to go out and I want you to cut your pillow open and I want you to shake the pillow into the wind. I want you to get all the feathers out of your pillow uh, tonight. And so the guy says, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And, and so he does that and he comes back the next day and says, okay, Rabbi, I, I did what you told me to do. And, and so what else can I do? Is there anything else I can do to make it up to you? And the rabbi says, yeah, you, you need to now go out and, and pick up all the feathers. And the guy says, that's impossible. There is no way that I could pick up all the pieces. And the rabbi says, exactly. Exactly. There's no way that you can make up for the choices you have made and the words that you have spoken. We all know that words damage. We all know that the words we speak can damage relationships and damage people. Uh, this is our ninth commandment that we're talking about. We've been in this series for a while now. And we've called it be free. There, there is an idea that God has set us free, that he has forgiven us and he has given us a, a free life, that he has given us forgiveness. But, but many of us don't live free, right? There, there are things that we participate in. There's choices that we make that keep us from being free. Uh, this week, I think, is one of the commandments that probably applies to the biggest majority of us. Uh, and, and it's the commandment that says this, it says, thou shalt not give false testimony against your neighbor. The first four weeks, we looked at the, the commandments that dealt with our relationship with God. That you should have no other gods and you shouldn't create any form of God. That you shouldn't have any idols. And then we looked at the idea that we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. And that's more than just cussing. That's more than just putting God's name to something. But actually it means putting God's name to things that we shouldn't put his name to that God has nothing to do with, and we, we put his name to that, or as followers of Jesus, putting God's name on us and then living a different life. That is taking his name in vain, of emptying it of its power. We took a look at rest and, and how great it is that God would say, just stop. Just stop and slow down and, and find your identity and your rest in, in him. And so the first four, our relationship with, with God, and then he quickly moves and gives six commandments about our relationship with one another. And the reason God is doing this is because he's establishing a new nation and a new culture. And he says, look, if your community is going to work, if you're going to have fruitful relationships and, and life-giving relationships, then, then here's some things that you should follow. 
And he has just brought the Israelites out of years of slavery, hundreds of years of slavery. And he says, I've, I've brought you out and you're free, but I want you to live free. And so these last few weeks, we've looked at this idea of what does it look like in our actions with one another to be free, right? And, and it wasn't just about the actions, but what's behind the actions. Well, what, what do these things actually look like in our lives lived out? And we looked at murder, right? And I said, look, most of us aren't probably worried about the people around us killing someone, uh, but, but what does it really look like? And we, we said it also has to do with hate, of hating anybody. We said it really starts even before that, and it starts with anger, so if we're going to deal with the, the commandment of murder, then we first have to deal with the issue of anger. And then we skipped adultery, but I had just talked about that not too long ago. And we, we said, look, most of us, many of us, uh, have maybe never gone to that place. And, and maybe we feel like we never would, but, but Jesus says, look, it starts before the action and it deals with lust. And, and most of us would say, look, I've, I've dealt with that at some point in my, my life. And so if we're going to deal with adultery, we have to deal with the heart issue of of lust. And then last week we looked at stealing. And that has more to do with just taking someone that, something that doesn't belong to us. But we have to, issue, uh, to deal with the issue of greed. Do we want to be defined as givers or as takers? And so this week we're looking at this idea of bearing false witness or lying about our neighbor. And, and before I give you some instructions of what the Bible says about it, I kind of want to look at this idea of how are we doing and ultimately, what is God after? So this commitment is going to forbid us to lie about our neighbor. To speak words that are meant to harm our neighbor. To not speak those. But there's, there's much more to it. It demands that we intentionally and deliberately seek out truth and speak words that build up and not destroy. Let me say that again. This commandment is more than just about not lying about our neighbor. But it is actively speaking words that build up and don't destroy. So we should be people who love truth. We should be people who speak words that are going to help others and not hurt them. We should love truth and be against the idea of lying. Uh, I was probably only in third grade, and I had a, a good friend. His name was Corey Von Tunglin. He was the best man in my wedding. Uh, we're still connected and really good friends. And we both had these girls that we kind of liked. And one, her name was Amanda, and the other one was Stacy. And, and one day, we decided we're going to meet at the barrel. Right, we're going to meet at the barrel. And the barrel was the place where couples would go, and they would sit in the barrel, and they would hang out. Well, something happened in the barrel that day. And the girls decided that they were going to kiss us on the cheek, right? No, no harm, no foul, second grade, third grade. They're going to kiss us on the cheek. But I had another friend. I had another friend who did not like that this happened. And that other friend actually was the best man in my wedding as well. But this guy decides to go and tell our teacher what had happened in the barrel. And so we get back to class that day and, and, and she pulls us out in the hallway. And, and the teacher looks at Stacy and says, all right, Stacy, this is what I've heard happened. Did... Did you kiss um, Corey in the barrel? No, no, I didn't. I didn't kiss Corey in the barrel. And she goes to Amanda and says, Amanda, did you, did you kiss Kyle in the barrel? No, I didn't kiss Kyle in the barrel. And she looks at me and says, Kyle, did Amanda kiss you in the barrel? And I'm like, no, she didn't kiss me in the barrel. And then she gets to Corey and says, did you get kissed by Stacy in the barrel? And he was like, yeah, she kissed me in the, the barrel. 
And uh, Corey gets sent back in the classroom. And in that moment, Corey's like, I'm going to speak truth. And I'm, I'm going to speak truth in a way where I know there could be consequences. And I know that there could be punishment and possibly destroy our, our friendship, which luckily didn't, didn't happen. But I remember that moment. And I remember going home that night. And my, my mom's actually here uh, today. And I remember that night there was a wedding. I can't remember whose wedding it was. But I remember my mom finding out that I had lied. That I had lied. And, and I remember growing up that the saying, are you a liar? Right? Because our actions often d- define who we are. That the choices we make give us, can give us certain labels. And so this idea, am, am I a liar? And so I think what, what God is after here when he gives us this commandment is simply to say, in your community, in your relationships, with, with those that maybe you don't agree with or you don't, like, will you be a person who only speaks truth? Will we use our words to encourage and lift up, or will we use our words to possibly destroy? And so he's expressing what, what's most important. Don't kill one another, right? Don't hate and don't have anger towards each other. It's going to be wise if you don't commit adultery. That, that's going to be wise in your community, It's going to be wise if you don't take from one another. And then, those are all outward actions for the most part. Things we do with our hands. But but then, that's going to say, even the words that you speak are going to impact the people around you. So these aren't just simply rules. These aren't simply just things to do or, or to not do. They're really directions given by a loving father. Right? I tried to, I tried to convince you of this. Really this whole time, this picture of God being a good father who grabs you by the face, who puts his hands on his shoulders and say, look, I I love you so much. I want the best for you. And for you to experience life to the fullest, it's going to be wise to follow these things, to put these into action. And when this first happened, uh, there were no legal proceedings Right? There, there wasn't CSI. There wasn't someone who came behind the scene and got all the details. Everything was based on someone's words. And so if you wanted to ruin someone's life, if you wanted to destroy someone, you would go in front of a judge and you would lie. You would bear false witness against your neighbor and it would punish them. Now things have changed for us in our, in our world and, and there's... Um, you know, legal proceedings and there's CSI and there's often some things that, that come along to help in, in truth. And that's our hope, right? That's our hope that there's justice in these, these things. But it's no longer de- determined solely on one person's words. And so God says, look, if, if you want this to go well, don't be a person who lies about your neighbor. Because when we do that, our worlds, we know this, our words create worlds, Right? Language often creates cultures. Right? So if you think about this, how are you doing on, on this at home? How are your world's words building one another? What, what kind of culture or community are you building within your home with your words? Whether it's with your spouse or with your kids or with a roommate, well, what does that look like? At work, what, what do your words say about you with your co-workers, to your boss, to your employees? What kind of culture are you creating with the words that you speak? I was thinking about this in this idea about even lying. I don't know how many of you have maybe even gotten a job because you've kind of lied on a resume. 
right? You, you start it, you know, this isn't really true, but it's not really false, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak it. And so we even maybe got our job based on words that weren't, weren't true. Or for my young people, for my, my students, my, my middle school, high school, your words at school, what, what kind of culture or community are you building? There, there's, a, uh, there's an app, and so this is just as much for the parents right now as it is for our, our young people. Uh, there's an app called Saraha. How many of you have heard of this? Man, hardly anybody. Okay, this is important. Um, there is an app where you can anonymously text things to people. So, for instance, a teenager will sign up for this specifically. All of their friends, all of their acquaintances will, will get the number to this app. And then they can say whatever they want to to that person. Whatever they want to say, and it's completely anonymous. How do you think that's going? <laughs> Not well. Right? Not well at all. I even know a young adult, and I know a 30-year-old who did this, and they too received just horrible words. But for my young people, you have a chance to do things very differently in your schools. To be a person who speaks words of life and encouragement to your friends, to your teachers, to custodians, to office. You, you have an opportunity to make a difference with your words or in our community. And, and to be honest, and this might eliminate some of you, but in the online social world, it amazes me, right? Let's just be honest. It amazes me sometimes the words we will type that we would never speak. The things we would share or say about someone that we would never do in person. So when, I don't think when, I mean, God knows all, but right, when, when Moses receives the Ten Commandments, I don't think there was this idea of it's also going to be attributed to our online world, to our social media world. But the words that you speak, what, what are they doing online? Right? Are they half-truths that we share? Is it fake stories on fake websites that we, we see and we skim and then we share and then they cause damage? Just a few years ago, I had a Christian leader who I challenged on something they had posted. It was complete false information about Muslims. And I sent them a private message and I said, look, I think you're causing damage by posting this. And their response was, well, it's basically true. Right? And most of us are like, oh, that's horrible. But how many of us, how many of us have said things or posted things that have caused damage? How many of us have had to delete something that we've posted because we thought, I probably shouldn't have posted that? Right? Our words create worlds, even online. So, so what's behind this? I think one of the reasons we use our words to hurt is because we are insecure we feel insignificant. And so we use words because of the way we feel that hopefully damage or hurt other people. And so we have to deal with that. I think we bear false witness or we lie about other people out of jealousy or fits of rage, envy, selfish ambition. That's why we use our words often to hurt and not to heal or to help. And so at one point, uh, Jesus is going to talk about some things that go against him, but he follows up with these fruits. And I talked about this briefly last week. What is your life producing? Everyone's producing something in their life. If you could take a step back and you, and you ask the question, what am I producing with my life? What is the outcome of my life? There is something. 
And, and, and we, we see Paul. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. So love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So I wonder if you just wrote those down, if you went home and looked up the fruit of the Spirit, and you just said, how are my words doing here? Right? How do my words bring love? How do my words bring joy or peace Or when I speak, how often is it out of selfish ambition or self-centeredness or self-seeking? And so I want you to understand, I really, murder is important, like that's a a significant one. Like hating, we don't want to hate, but I just think our words damage so much. I've sat with too many people in my office. I've sat with too many people in my office who tell me something that's been said about them. Maybe even years ago that has caused damage in their lives. And so I just want you to to know that God hates this. Like Proverbs 6, there's a list of things that it says God hates. Um, There's seven things and three of them have to deal with this. Listen to this, three of them. A lying tongue, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Three of the seven have to do with our words. And it says God hates these things. So we have to understand that this is significant. And if you don't listen to anything else I've said, here's why I think it's so significant. I have told you over and over that these 10 commandments, really, when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandments? Jesus says what? To to love God, to love your neighbor. God says, everything in you should be about loving God and loving your neighbor. I just want you to know this. God loves his name. God God wants glory for his name. But I promise you, he loves your neighbor too. This is significant. Don't miss this. God loves your neighbor. And so when we speak words that hurt, when we speak untruths, When we bear false witness against our neighbor, that is someone who God deeply loves and God deeply cares for. So if we are going to say, I love God, we also have to then love people and we have to love our neighbor and we have to understand that our words either affirm that decision or hurt it. And so when we bear false witness, when we lie about our neighbor, when we tell stories about someone that aren't true, We're doing that about someone who was created in the image of God. Here's what Jesus says about it. Matthew 15, 18 to 20. If you don't own a Bible, we'll look at a few scriptures here. Um, You can have that Bible that's around you, that red Bible. We'd love for you to take that. That's our our gift to you. It's also on the screen and that page number will correlate with that that Bible. But here's what Jesus says. This is going to cover some of the things that we've looked at already. He says this. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Now this is what Jesus has just spent time doing. Jesus goes into a house and he's with some religious leaders and Jesus and the disciples don't go through the ceremonial washing like everyone else normally does. And Jesus gets challenged about it. Why why are you not washing like everyone else does? And then this is where Jesus says, look, it doesn't really matter what I put into my mouth. 
It, it doesn't really matter whether my hands are clean or not, but it's what comes out that proves what's on the inside. If we hate people, if we lust, if we are people who steal, false testimony and slander, it's simply just something that's going on in our own hearts. So Jesus, as I've said, is always after our hearts. He's always after our hearts. So what is it inside of you? If you struggle with this, when we struggle with this, what is going on inside our souls that cause us to do this? Because our words will reveal what is actually in our hearts. So here, here's just a few ways that I, I want to give you that this happens. I can't give you all of them, but, but here's just a few that I think we might struggle with. Now, here's some good news. I know not all of you would say you're a Christian. I, I actually think this is really helpful to all of us. So if you're here and like, look, I don't even know what I believe. Uh, these principles, I think if you put them into your life today, actually will benefit yourself and those around you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't think we have an option. I don't think I have, we have an option when it comes to these things. But before I do that, just let me say this. I can't imagine being anyone else's pastor. Honestly. Like, I appreciate you during the series. I've had great feedback. Uh, I wouldn't want to preach this uh, anywhere else. There's not a better group of people um, that I could do this. I hope you'll continue to come as we start a new series in two weeks. I actually know that you are amazing people. Okay, here's the first one. Uh, flattery. Uh, so excessive or insincere praise. Now, I actually do mean that. I, I can't imagine uh, being anyone else's pastor. But here's one of the areas that I don't think we talk much or think much about. I actually think flattery is a form of breaking this command. And here's what flattery means. It's excessive and insincere praise, especially that given to further one's own interests. Uh, Psalm 12, the writer of, of Psalm 12, 1 through 3, it says this, Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. When we say things to people, when we say things about people just in the hopes of getting something in return, this is flattery. When we give praise to someone's face and, and we lift them up with the only intention of hoping to get something in return, this is flattery. We know people like this, right? Maybe you, when growing up, you, you knew the teacher's pet. Maybe some of you were the teacher's pet. They, they said the right things to the teacher or the boss's favorite. Some of you think in your, your circle right now, you know who that person is who says the right thing to the boss and maybe doesn't even really care about the boss, but is just hoping to get something in return. So the problem with flattery is it only seeks what we need. It only seeks what we need. It is self-seeking and self-satisfying. But here's what Paul says. Paul, a follower of Jesus who hated Christians and becomes a Christian, plants churches and writes back to them. In Ephesians 4.29, he says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, only, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I mean, this is powerful. To think that the only time you would speak to someone or about someone is to build them up, to support them, to encourage them, that you know what they need. Not what you need in return, but what do people need? 
And so the opposite of flattery is, is honestly people who have the gift of encouragement that tell people what they need in the right moment at the right time and have no selfish reason for saying it. That it truly is just to build someone up, to encourage someone, to support somebody, to embed life-giving words to them. And so flattery and, gift of, and gifts of encouragement uh, really is just separated by intention. So what are your intentions when you speak words of life to someone? Is it just so you'll get something in return or is it to build somebody up? The second is slander. Slander. This is the action of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. We, we've heard Paul in this Ephesians 4 part speak, and then he says this in 431. He's going to tell us what to get rid of. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice or evil. He puts slander in the midst of brawling, of rage, of anger. Right, those other things, if we, we saw someone do that, we think, oh man, they, something is going on in their lives. But when people slander someone, when we spread rumors about someone, I don't know if we feel the same way. And Paul is saying, we have to get rid of all of this. We know the damage that rumors do. Has everyone told a rumor? Has anyone ever told a rumor about you? Have you ever had to go around, kind of like the, the feathers, and try and pick up the pieces of what someone has said about you that wasn't true? The damage it's caused for yourself and your reputation and your relationships. Maybe you lost a job because of it. Maybe you can't get a job because of it. Maybe you've lost friends because of slander or rumors either that you've said or someone else has said. And this happens quickly. We can slander someone or say rumors about someone quickly. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 36. These are Jesus' words. He says this, But I tell you that men and women will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. That's powerful. I mean, to think that our, our words carry that much weight, that we will be held accountable for the words that we speak. So if it's untrue or if it's meant to harm, it's slander. It's rumors. And Jesus says we have to be accountable to that and Paul says that we need to get rid of it. The third thing, the last one, this is along the same lines and that's gossip. So this is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. All right. So in the church, uh, this often looks like caring about someone, right? Whether it's a prayer request or hey, really be praying for so-and-so. Did you hear what's happened or what they're going through? This can be forms of gossip. This can be forms of damaging someone else. So it's not just what we say, but it comes back to our attentions once again. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in James 1, 19-26. He says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, 
which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. James is saying, look, you you hear the word, you hear the teaching, you read the scriptures, it's not enough. You put into practice what you hear. And then he says this, verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I mean, this is a, look, James is saying, look, you can even do all the right things. You can put into practice everything that you've heard, but if you lose reign of your tongue, then everything you stand for, everything that you think is important, is worthless. This is important. This is important specifically if you follow Jesus. Now, some of you may say, well, everybody tells me everything. You might be that person that everyone comes to and says, look, have you heard what's going on or you need to pray for? You might be the person who everyone comes to and just very gently, let me say this, the reason everyone comes to you is because you let everyone come to you. And that can sound harsh and that can seem hurtful or mean, but just just think about it. If we begin to say to people, and look, I have to do this too, and it's hard sometimes in my role as a pastor, if I listen to people and I'm trying to give direction, there's a time where I have to draw the line and say, look, I think this is gossip, and I don't always do that. But we have to understand that if we won't let people do it, they'll quit doing it. If we say, you know, I don't know if that's true. You probably shouldn't have told me that. Or do you know that that might hurt that person if if that's not true? If we create a community in a culture where that doesn't happen, it will begin to stop happening. So we have to understand the damage that it causes. And as we think about gossip and, and the pain, I don't know if you know this, but but suicide is the second leading cause of death in young people. From like 10 to the early 20s, second leading cause of of death is suicide. And they say there is a direct correlation to gossip and teen suicide, to bullying and teen suicide. And so as, as adults, as parents, one, it is important that we pour into our kids, that we speak words of life to them that we encourage them and support them, and we also make sure they understand that their words matter. That their words matter. So look, if we want to be free, if we want to understand what God is after for us, that he doesn't want us to use our words to hurt, but to help and to even heal, then we have to begin to understand that our words create worlds. And what kind of world are you creating? In your home? At your job? and in our community. I'll end with this. Um, There's a catechism or teaching. uh, It's called the Heidelberg Catechism. In the mid-1500s, what would happen is uh, people would come together and they would look at what's most important. And so the Heidelberg uh, Catechism, it just consists of 129 questions with answers about what they believed as Protestants in the mid-1500s. And the question is, what is required of the Ninth Commandment? What is required? And here's their their answer. That I bear false witness against no man, nor falsify any man's words, that I may be no backbiter, nor slanderer, 
that I do not judge nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard, but that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. Likewise, that in judgment and all other thing, dealings, I love the truth. I speak it uprightly and confess it, also that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. I'm going to pray for us. Greg's going to come and, and close us uh, with our song. But may we be people. May we be people who love the truth, that seek out the truth. May we be people who speak it uprightly. May you and I be people who defend and promote the honor and good character of our neighbors who God deeply loves. Would you stand with me as I pray and we end with this song? God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us when we don't use our words to bring hope and healing to the people around us? Would you forgive us when we have bared false witness against someone? Would you forgive us when we've used our words in the wrong way that has damaged someone else's life, their reputation? Would you forgive us, God, when we do that? But Lord, would you help us be the kind of people who speak words of life? Would you help us to be the kind of people who love truth, your truth, and avoid what the enemy would have us to do? The enemy who is the father of lies, that his native language is lies. Lord, would you help us to avoid that? May we create a world with our words that people want to be a part of. God, would you help us? Pray this in Jesus' name.